Good morning, family. As we have been continuing in our series, Eyes on Jesus, we've been talking about the story of a a runner named Sarah. As she nears the end of her race, I wanted to finish that story. She approached the final stretch, the finish line now emerging in the distance. Sarah's body was exhausted, but her spirit burned, burned bright. The cheers of the crowd grew louder propelling her towards the culmination of months of hard work and determination. Pushing toward the finish line, she felt a surge of triumph and emotion. When all of a sudden, a sharp, searing pain shot through Sarah's right leg. It felt like thousands of lightning bolts all at once, instantly bringing her to her knees. Gasps of concern from the spectators rung out and a wave of panic washed over Sarah. The finish line was so close, and yet now, seemingly so unreachable. Desperation filled Sarah's eyes as she looked around, hoping for a solution. The medical team rushed towards her, but Sarah waved them away determinedly. She wouldn't accept defeat now. She had to finish the race. So she summoned every every ounce of willpower, focused firmly on the finish line, took a deep breath, and began to crawl. The pain was like nothing she had ever felt. Every movement of her leg made her want to cry out in agony and give up right there. But refusing to quit, she gritted her teeth clenched her jaw, and dragged herself painfully forward. The crowd was silent, captivated by the struggle unfolding before their eyes. The ground was unforgiving as Sarah's hands and knees scraped against the pavement. Doubt and pain clawed at her. Every nerve in her body begged her to stop. But she silenced them with the memories of her sunrise runs of her grueling workouts, and the unwavering support of her family and loved ones. The beckoning call of the finish line just yards ahead. These last few yards felt like an eternity, but the the finish line drew nearer with each inching. And yet, she continued her crawl. The crowd was now fully engaged in in Sarah's struggle to finish. They began to encourage her through their cheers and applause. The finish line, once a mere marker of the end of the race, now symbolized something much greater to Sarah. There in that simple line lay her hope that all the training and all the miles and now all the pain would be worth it. She was so close now. Despite the unbelievable searing pain, there was something now within her that refused to quit. Physically exhausted and emotionally drained, Sarah finally, mercifully, at last, crawled across the finish line and collapsed into joy. The cheers of the crowd reached a deafening level. And the medical team rushed in. Sarah, through her agonizing pain, began to smile. Despite her suffering, her face bore the triumphant smile of victory. 
despite everything she had finally at last finished. She had not only finished, but in that moment she had overcome everything that she thought she couldn't. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever suffered? Have you ever faced opposition or difficulty or trial? Suffering and opposition and difficulty is no stranger to the Christian. As we think about keeping our eyes on Jesus, one of the things that we focus on is the opposition that he faced, the suffering that he endured, the the challenges that he overcame for us, leaving us an example. And as I think about him, I also think about all of you. As I look across the pews and see people who I know have struggled, people who face chronic health conditions, people who are battling cancer or who have battled cancer, people who've lost a spouse or a loved one, people who are in a systemic health battle, people who have been persecuted for their faith in Christ. And I think about the opposition you face, the things that Satan will throw at you to get you to quit. And I want to encourage you to, to, to in those moments when you face difficulty, challenges, struggles, not to give up. Whether it's something you saw from a distance or something that just blindsided you like Sarah's injury, whether it was something that you were prepared for or something that you were never had any remote earthly idea that you would face, let me encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Followers of Jesus are no stranger to suffering, be it mental, physical, or spiritual. All of us are promised to face troubles and opposition and difficulty within our race. Jesus said himself, in this world you will have trouble. But he didn't stop there. He said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. As we reflect on this suffering and difficulty that we will face in our race, let us turn our eyes and our attention toward him. I'll ask you to stand as we read together from Hebrews chapter 12, which has been our key verse, and today we'll be in verse 3. Let's read together from Hebrews 12.3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You may be seated. When you think about him and you think about the opposition that he faced, Jesus faced all sorts of opposition, all sorts of sufferings. He promised difficulty toward us, those who would follow him. C.S. Lewis wrote this in a grief observed. He wrote, we are promised sufferings. They are part of the program. We were even told, blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And I accept it. I've got nothing that I hadn't bargained for. Of course, it's different when the thing happens to oneself and not to others in reality not imagination. And so, 
Suffering for the Christian is not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And so the first point being, when you suffer, may you consider your Savior. Hebrews says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. If you want to follow along in your Bible and you're uh, in the book of Hebrews, I want you to turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53 is uh, a prophecy, a description of what is famously often called the suffering servant. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but it, it's, it's excellent. But just a couple of verses in this description of Jesus the Christ. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and our sorrows, and yet we considered him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Sufferings, in whatever form they take, whether it's difficulty, trial, opposition, health challenges, family struggles, in whatever form they take, our sufferings should not distract us from Jesus. Our suffering should direct us to Jesus. Some people think that our sufferings and our difficulty and our trials and the things that we face that we're going through keep me. Well, I, I, I can't be at church this week. I've just gone through so much. No, that's every reason for you to, to lean in, not only to, to the church family, but to, into the Word and into prayer and into God. Uh, our sufferings are not a distraction from Jesus, but they should direct us to Jesus. Let's consider him for just a moment. Think about Jesus. In his 33 years on earth, 30 of them were in near obscurity, growing up in poverty. No one knew his name. He had no fame, no reputation, other than for a few brief moments in childhood. Until he was age 30, no one knew of him. And when they knew him, Many of them didn't like him. He was hated and reviled. He was mocked and misunderstood. He had dysfunction in his family. Yes, Jesus had dysfunction in his own family. The scripture says that his siblings wished to put him away quietly because of the things that he was teaching. Jesus experienced disappointment from his friends. Jesus experienced abandonment and anger and frustration and grief. He was tempted and tried and troubled and betrayed. He was abused and beaten and humiliated and belittled. He suffered in every way imaginable. Physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, and most of all, at the cross he suffered spiritually. Not because of anything that he had done but because of the things which we have done. There is no suffering with which Jesus himself is not intimately familiar and knowledgeable. When your troubles deplete you and you feel drained and you feel like you can't go on any farther and you feel exhausted, 
May you remember his example. Scripture says, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Have you ever been a place of exhaustion? I mean, just a place where you feel like you have nothing more to give. Where you have nothing more, you've been poured out and poured out and you are exhausted. Not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. You are done. And when you get to that point, I I gently but firmly point you, as scripture does, back to the suffering Savior. You see, the temptation is when we suffer to withdraw, to focus in on ourselves, to, to, to hunker down, to get small, to withdraw from others, to withdraw from God. But scripture beckons us back to Jesus. Listen to the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9. This is where Peter, <laughs> He's not only intimately familiar with suffering, but he's going to suffer very quickly in his life. And when they go to crucify him, he will be taken to a cross. And and because he focuses on Jesus, he says, I would ask that you crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified as my Lord. Listen to what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through nine. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He's speaking to Christians who are suffering or who are about to suffer. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith which is the salvation of your souls. May we not forget to look to Jesus even in our suffering, even in hardships, even in difficulty. As I look across the the pews and, and I think about people who have been betrayed by a spouse, people who've lost a husband or wife, People who've lost a child. People who've lost a job. People who are in the deep stages of grief. I want to remind you that God is close to the brokenhearted, the psalmist tells us. And whatever your pain is, may you hold on to the promise 
In your pain, may you hold on to the promise. Peter goes on just at the end of the, 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 the first Peter, first Peter chapter 5. There at the very end, he writes this, first Peter 5.10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal, eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen, and establish you. Peter says, remember that no matter what you're facing, your suffering is temporary. It's momentary. It's fleeting. It's passing. And after a little while, the God of all grace will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The Apostle Paul, who suffered greatly on the cause of Christ, faced much opposition as Jesus did, said, I consider that our sufferings in this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. May we not forget that, and may we not forget him and his example, and the example of Christians down through the ages, when they have suffered, how they looked to him. And so as we remember him, let us then return to the cross. I want you to to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22 is a psalm that you will recognize if you are familiar with the scenes of the cross. As you think about the, the, the last things which Jesus said and did as he went to the cross, I want you to listen to these words and listen to these descriptions and take yourself back to Golgotha. My God... My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry day by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Going down to verses 7 and 8. All who see me mock me. They make their mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Verse 11, be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravenous, roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint, and my heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me, and they have pierced my hands and feet. I count all my bones, they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. 
so interesting to me that Jesus is quoting the psalm which he inspired to David. And as he breathes his last breaths, he cries out as the psalmist would of his suffering. Jesus suffered in many ways. Physically is the one that most people focus on. But the physical agony of the cross was not the worst. In fact, many people suffered on the cross in a physical way. Many people took much longer to die on a cross. Jesus died very quickly, if you remember. The worst part of the cross was not the physical. As hard as that was, the worst part of the cross was the spiritual. The suffering, the separation, the father turning his back on the son. And why did he do that? For our sin. He suffered for us. And so as we consider his suffering, let us return to the table where he invites us every week. To remember not only what he suffered, but why he suffered.